It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Today is the day that I answer all of your Blue Jackets questions, whether you have sent them to me in your own voice or whether you have sent them to me via Twitter, I'm going to get to them and you will find out very quickly, very, very quickly, you'll find out that when the Blue Jackets were undefeated at home and started the season three and one, there was a really good feeling. And after a five to one loss, at home to Carolina on Saturday night, even though the record's just three and two, the feelings aren't as joyous. You'll see. I'll get to it in just a few minutes. But first, I want to tell you about the fine folks over at Ohio Credit Union. I want to tell you about them because they've been with us for so long to bring you CBJ and 30. But it's the other things that they can bring you as a member of their credit union. And one of the things that they bring you is checking that protects. When you open a choice or a prime checking account, you get exclusive access to Tap by Telhio. It's an easy-to-use app that saves you money and it protects you from everyday expenses. So go to their website at telhio.org and find out how you can open a choice or a prime checking account and find out what Tap by Ohio will do for you, the benefits that you get from it. I'm telling you, when you look around their website at all of the different things that they offer you, you're going to find perks that you're just not going to find at other financial institutions. Trust me, go there at tellhio.org. Just surf around, check out the different tabs, check out the different types of accounts and loans that they have, and you are going to find out that I am dead on right. You know that already. You listen to this all the time. You know I'm right. So make sure you go do it. Check them out at tellhio.org. Tellhio Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's get to the questions here. You know, at the end of the game, or in the third period of the game the other night, I should say, I started to promote this Monday mailbag, and I said uh, that the 24-hour rule was not in effect. The 24-hour rule, if you remember the 24-hour rule, I've explained it to you many times on this show, but I will do it again for those of you that are new or for those of you that just simply forgot. All right, in all the years that uh, I had kids playing sports, there were there was a 24-hour rule in most cases with most youth coaches. And that was, if something happens today, don't come and have a discussion with me or yell at me about it today. Give it 24 hours. If it's still bothering you in the same way, we'll discuss it and move on from there. So I've been on both sides as a parent and as a coach with a parent coming to talk about it. Uh, I noticed as a coach that the parent didn't really put that rule into effect as much as I did as a parent not talking to a coach, but anyway, maybe it was just me. Maybe they felt so comfortable with me that they felt that they could just waive the rule and they would feel that way until they started the conversation and then they would have a level of uncomfort because they should have waited. But anyway, strike while the iron is hot, sometimes people think. And in the third period on Saturday, I said that I would waive the rule, basically, because I said... Raw emotion right now. If you want to send me your question, you can do it. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to cool off. None of that. And one person took full advantage of that, sending the question on Saturday right after the game. You know him well. He's been here a lot. 
And here he is. Hey, Bob. It's Cameron Maynard here in Forest Hills, Kentucky. Um, I have a couple questions after watching these first five games. Um, number one, do you think that Brad Larson has carried the above-the-puck playing style over to his coaching tenure, you know, the style that helped us so much when Torts was head coach, like on defense, you know, it helped us so much defensively. It just seems to me like throughout these first five games, you know, it feels like I'm just watching the Jackets chase the puck instead of staying above it. And as a result, you know, most of our opponents, it's causing them to get a lot more shots on goal against us. You know, like example, uh, for example, you know, the Coyotes game and then that, then that game in Detroit, you know, it, it just doesn't seem to me like they're, you know, like they have that, above the puck defensive mentality like they have in the past and I think it's you know I think that could possibly hurt him this year um second thing is um is it just me or like why do we always seem to not play good when we wear the third jersey you know I may be wrong on that correct me if I am but you know it just seems like we just do not play good anytime we wear the third jersey and um you know also um correct me if I'm wrong on this but you know yeah the team defense is playing bad in front of Corby blah 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 but you know, I, I mean, it's 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 still some of it's still on him too. You know, you got to be able to stop pucks from getting in the net, just like you know the defense has to play well in front of him and block shots and you know clear the puck and all that. You know, I I think this just reinforces like this game tonight that Elvis should be the goalie over Corpusalo going forward. Um, I look forward to you answering my questions and uh, go Jackets. Thanks, Bob. Well, Cameron, thank you, and uh, that's well thought out, well asked, and I will go in order. First of all. Brad Larson is changing the way that the Blue Jackets are playing the game. It's going to be a more wide-open game, not just to pack it in front of the goaltender and try to block shots, and that is twofold. First of all, uh, I do think this team is more offensively gifted than some of the teams in the past few years. Now, you can make an argument that I'm wrong after only getting one goal last night against a good team, and I would have to listen to that argument, but I think overall this team has more scoring potential despite what we saw against Carolina and against Detroit, quite frankly. But I think that they have more potential, and I think that he would like for them to play to their potential. But the other thing is you don't have the shot blockers that you had before. There is no David Savard to block, you know, six or seven shots. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he would block at least a handful in every game. Uh, that element has changed as well. Uh, the defense is different now, and they are more offensive-minded. So uh, to have them just dropping back and blocking shots is not using them to the full extent of their talent. So that has changed. Again, some of it is because of personnel. Some of it is because of how they are going to play the game. And uh, the third jersey thing, I will admit to you, I will admit, I was um, – First of all, wearing it that early in the season, I was a little surprised because I don't look at the list, and I didn't realize they were wearing it. And so anyway, that that's its own separate thing. I was just surprised. But I did think on the way home last night, remember that first year that they unveiled those things? And it's been a long time ago now. It's been a long time ago without a change to that thing. And it doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter if you win or lose that's not going to be decided by what you wear. I understand. But remember that first year they unveiled those things and how they could not win in that jersey whatsoever. And there, was, there wasn't talk within the organization. There was talk amongst the fan base just to get rid of that thing. All right, you tried. It doesn't work. Get rid of it. Forget about it. I think Scott O'Neill was the coach at the time when that came out. And 
and they just had a dismal record in that. Now, as the talent got better on the team, that changed throughout the course of the years to follow. But I, I did think about that last night. I did because, I first of all, as I told you, I was surprised they were wearing it that early, and then they lost in it, and it just brought back those memories. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Uh, you're expected to give your best and win the game, and that just didn't happen. And it didn't matter what uniform they wore. They could have worn anything. They could have worn tie-dyed uniforms. They could have worn old Columbus Chill uniforms. They could have worn Team USA uniforms. It wouldn't have mattered because they wouldn't have won that game last night just because they, they didn't play well enough. Simple as that. So uh, that is one thing about it. They wouldn't have won it no matter what they were wearing. And the other thing is, quite frankly, they wouldn't have won it no matter which goaltender was in there, in my opinion. And I don't mean that to try to boost one guy over the other. Listen, Elvis Burzlikens has played well. Uh, he was really good on opening night because he had to stop 36 of 38 against uh, an Arizona team that is really not that good. And then against Seattle, they're more of a grinding type of a team, but he did a good job in that one as well. Uh, he did well against the Islanders. I understand the three games he played in, he played well. And for Corpusalo, it is a little bit of bad luck. They did not play well in Detroit right from the beginning of the game. They didn't. And uh, same thing was true last night. That goes to Jody's question. Uh, she tweeted this in, is the defense not doing their job in front of Jonas Corposalo, or is he just getting unlucky? It seems like he's given up the most goals, unfortunately. So, Cameron, that goes with uh, what you're asking here and, and kind of what you're saying here. But uh, they have played differently in front of him, and I think the reason is if you look at the two teams that he has played against, Detroit and Carolina, they both played a fast game. None of those other three teams played a fast game. And I'm not hanging that on the goalie. I'm saying for the guys in front of the goalie, um, that speed took them out of their element. They were scrambling last night. They were all over the place. They couldn't catch up with the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes were making everything happen fast, really quick. Bang, bang, bang. Here they come. They have uh, two guys down near the front of the net. They've got a defenseman engaging off the blue line, crashing the net as the third guy. Uh, they're forechecking you like crazy when you're trying to come out of your own zone. So um, I think that the two teams he's played against have been quicker skating teams than the other three, and that has created a problem for the five guys in front of the goalie. It's left the goalie hung out to dry. But if you go back to the Carolina game in itself, they were in the box forever, it seemed. I mean, they, they had five penalties for 12 minutes. You spent over half a period in a box, in the box, and also there were three power play goals scored by a very good power play unit. So you just put yourself in a bad spot. Didn't help him out at all. Again, I'm not trying to start a fight between one and the other, quite honestly. I think they both have played well. One of them has had the results. The other one has yet to get the winning result, but I think that they have played very well. I think what they've both done personally, I think that they have both calmed their games down to where they're not trying to do too much. And that, to me, is especially true with Elvis. I feel like he's just trying to stop pucks, and if he goes to play it, he has been smarter about it in his first three starts of the year. Uh, he hasn't been trying to be anything but the goalie. And in the past, we've seen him try to be the goalie, the defenseman, and the forward all on the same play. So uh, I really like that he has done that with his game. I think Corpusalo has tried to calm it down in net as well. Um, I really don't have a problem with either one of those guys 
It doesn't matter to me who starts. It's about how the team plays in front of them, and they have played differently. But again, in my opinion, I think that the speed factor has been an important factor, and Corpusalo has happened to get the two teams that have uh, utilized that speed, and it's made a difference, no doubt about it. All right, let's go to our next voice question today. Hey, Bobby Mack, it's Lauren from Florida. My question today is what offensive lines and defensive pairings have you seen, if any, do you think will be consistent and stick for the season? Because I know that teams in the NHL that are successful tend to have consistent lines and consistent pairings, obviously barring any kind of injury or the regular bringing people up from the minors and whatnot. I'm curious because I know that that's really important and we've had a lot of changes in the team, but we've also brought in a lot of great guys and it'll be interesting to see if we can, for the first time in a long time, have a consistent offensive line. And with Seth Jones gone, it would be nice to see us have a consistent defensive pairing that we can look to like we did with Jones and Branstein. So I look forward to hearing your answer to my question. I'm not going to touch on the whole goalie situation because I'm sure you're covering it completely <laughs> and then some. Um, I just love both of the goalies. I think it's too soon to be really hardcore picking favorites between the two of them. I think we're blessed to have them and let's just count our blessings and not argue about it, but that's just me. Um, anyway, I hope you're all doing great and I look forward to hearing the answer to my question. Have a great day. Thank you, Lauren. And yes, I am covering it, of course. Hey, I want to go back to one thing about uh, Cameron's question, actually. When he mentioned that you do have to make the saves, even though, like with Corpusalo in Detroit, I'll give you this. In Detroit, he made all of those great saves. And then the Lucas Raymond shot that went in, I was a little bit surprised that that one got in. So uh, I, I will admit that to you. And I forgot to say that on the previous uh, answer to Cameron's question because he had that in there. But yeah, you got to make uh, the saves that you should make. Um, look, I'm not taking away from that shot, but I just thought for all of the fantastic saves that he made, and then that one gets in. Now it's one to nothing, which feels like five to nothing in a game like that. But um, again, these guys are going to push each other. I think they're going to both do very well. And despite what the records look like, I think they've both done very well to this point. But to get to your question, Lauren, and I'm going to incorporate another question that I got via Twitter on this too from Alec Ullman that says, do you think it's plausible this season that we see Cole Sillinger center the first line? He's looked really impressive in just a few games, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on it. And I tie those together because, Lauren, what we're seeing is working for now, and I know that Boone Jenner is doing okay at this point between Jake Voracek and Patrick Laine, but ultimately there's got to be a number one center on this team, and Boone Jenner is a place filler. He's not a number one centerman. He started the year as a winger and not as a centerman. They put him back in the middle out of necessity. Alexander Texier couldn't handle the job, so he got bumped out of that. I think that uh, when you look beyond that, uh, Jack Roslovic, he's not gotten a chance to center that line. I think that's okay. I kind of like where he is and what he's doing right now. So I like the combinations. I like uh, Line A and Voracek. And, of course, they got Voracek to play with Line A, so you would think that one's going to stay together most of the year. It's not 100%. We saw that in, um, what game was it? The Detroit game where Voracek was playing on a different line than Patrick Laine. Look, it's not going to be 100%. They're going to mix and match sometimes uh, when there is ineffectiveness or injury. But for the most part, you're going to see those two guys staying together. I think Nyquist and Bjorkstrand, 
is a good combination uh, playing together. You know, Chinikov is, he's had a couple of good looks. Uh, he's had two really good chances to get his first NHL goal. It hasn't come yet, but with Max Domi being out, he has a chance to uh, try to, you know, fight for and then keep a spot. I really like the Corrali, Robinson, and Hoffman line. I think they have been solid. I think Brad Larson gets exactly what he wants out of those guys. And they will stay together for the foreseeable future, in my opinion, because they provide energy and they give you some good scoring chances. And defensively, they're good too. But the Sillinger thing, I think Cole gets another chance to move up and play between Jake and Patrick. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know what it'll take for that to happen, but I could see that happening again if he continues to develop at the what I think is a pretty rapid pace right now. I mean, take out that Detroit game. And, and I talked to Brad Larson the other day before the game against the Islanders. Um, you know, I asked him, basically, in a game like that, you've got a lot of guys that aren't playing well. You've got this one guy who's 18 years old. You don't want to affect his confidence in a negative way only three games into the season, right? So maybe you sit him down and you let those other older guys go out there and keep making the mistakes because they've bounced back from those mistakes before. They know how to handle that. And you're not exactly sure if your 18-year-old knows how to handle it yet or not. Well, you know now because he went out in the very next game and he scored against the Islanders. But uh, I, I think they protected him a little bit in that third period, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay as far as I'm concerned. But when it comes to lines, I think at some point, if he continues to play well, I think he will get the opportunity to jump up with those guys and they will take another look at him and see what he can do there. On defense, you know, they're giving Bean a chance to uh, work it out with Wierenski, but by the end of the Carolina game, Boquist was on the same pair with Zach. That might have been just to try to get some offense late in the game or might have been to try and get another look and see if, any of that worked, but uh, I, I think, I'll tell you better tonight when Dallas is here, but I think that uh, Bean will go back there and they'll try to continue to uh, get Bean and Wierenski going and then Boquist and Gavrikov with a little bit of familiarity with uh, each of those pair. But I I just, look, you're not going to have another Seth Jones. You can't count on, on that. You can count on Zach being on the first pair, you can count on Gavrikov being on the second pair. And beyond that, I don't think you can count on anything right now. But we are only five games into it. Only five games. There are 77 left here, okay? Only five games in. How about my man Bakes? Coming in under the wire, late, very late, sending out the tweet. Do I still have time? I said, you're on the clock. Hurry up. You have time. And he made it. Under the wire. Here he is. Hey, Bobby Mack, it's Bakes. This is the final take to try to get it under four minutes. But um, love the mailbag so far. That 8-2 victory, I felt like I was watching the Florida Panthers that um, spanked us in person last year. Uh, not, I guess not us, the, uh, the team. Um, but I remember sitting in that stadium in Sunrise thinking, I wish we had a team like this because we had, we at times have that offensive potential. That 8 2 victory showed it. They've continued to show things this year so far that we have not seen in years past, like winning 
two and zero in overtime games. Um, I don't. It's been a long time since we've started two and zero in overtime games. Um, I'll tell you that. And for Patty to have both of them, and also to be featured on the team schedule magnet, which was great by the Blue Jackets to do so. You got to feature the superstars. Um, I think that does more first confidence than anything. And those were two sick shots he had. Um, I think the goalie tandem needs to end. And I wanted to get your thoughts on pretty much everything. Um, but especially that, you know, I don't know why when Elvis is 3-0, and the team's just playing with better energy behind him. And I think now's the time to ride him, if ever. Um, they just got to do it. See where it goes. Um, let him, you know, he's on a mission this year. And I think the team feels that. And I think we're going to surprise some people. Um, also, it caught my eye that Max Domain and the Blue Jackets publicized that he did his recovery on his own, on his own terms and off the grid. Um Right is we're still in the middle of a Buffalo Sabre, Jack Eichel holdout. Um, Maybe that's saying, hey, Jack, come play with us. Um, I don't know. But I know Yarmo keeps talking about those picks and, oh, we got a first here and a third and a fourth and a two firsts and two years. And I love Yarmo. (laughs) And one of the reasons I love Yarmo is because he likes to take those picks and he likes to swing for the fences. Uh, you got to go all in sometimes. Maybe not like a couple years ago, but I don't think we're going to be sellers if we just stay in contention. We just got to be in contention. And so far this team's shown me that uh, they're showing me things that I, I haven't seen in years past. Guys like Domi, uh, Line, getting going early. Young guys, Sillinger scoring goals. Um, granted, not perfect play, but, I mean, they're doing things different this year in a good way and showing us things different than definitely last year and other years. And um, I can't rule this team out. At least I don't think so and wanted to know what you think so too, but... Um, I think we're going to make a push for the playoffs. It figures everyone else is off to a good start, too, in the Metro. But, um, man, it's great to have hockey back. Go Jackets. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks, bye, Mac. All right, Bakes, listen. I love having you on the show, okay? And you got it under four, but you got to get it now under two, okay? Even Cameron. Everybody used to get on Cameron because he was too long with his thoughts, and he got it. He He's tightened it up. He's made adjustments to his game. So, Bakes, it's time now for me to challenge you. You know, this comes from the coaching aspect of it, where you've got to shorten your shifts, man. you got to take what uh, we call in our business of broadcasting word economy, okay? You have to say the same thing with less words. Get it under two. But I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to answer it. First of all, here's here's one thing I'm going to say. All right? Listen, you're talking about riding Elvis. I... I think this is the last thing I'm going to say about the goalies in this show. I want it to be the last thing I'm going to say about the goalies in this show because I think that it's been good and down the middle to this point. But when you start talking to me about riding a guy five guys or five games into the season, sorry, 
Five games into the season, you're talking about riding a guy because the energy is different, and you got, okay, so what are you going to do with the other guy, not play him? Do you just not play that guy? You let him sit, you let him rot, especially a guy that was previously named to the All-Star game in his career? Do you, do you just let him sit? And some of you are saying, yeah, you let him sit. You put the other guy in there. you got to win as many games as you can win. Well, here's a newsflash for you. Nobody is starting 82 games as a goaltender. You're probably going – it's it's changing. More teams are getting not to a 50-50 split, but closer to a 60-40, 70-30 split. You know, there was a day when Bobrovsky was here and you knew that Curtis McElhaney was going to be lucky to play, what, 15 games? And then all the pressure is on him to win those games. And then what happens at the end, the starting goalie is worn out. This is what teams are finding out now. With the travel and because of the demands of that position, you play all those games a disproportionate amount, and then you're worn out at the end. So they're trying to balance it a little bit more. That's what's going on now, so that when the playoffs come, you're taking the best guy, and he's more fresh. Okay? So here we are five games in. We're not riding a goalie five games in. You're not, because the other guy's got to play too. And then let me take it a step further. You alluded to, and if I'm misreading this, I'll apologize, but I don't think I am. You're talking about how Max Domi went through his own personal rehab after his shoulder surgery, which is partly true. He had things that, you know, he wanted to do, but it was cleared through the team. I mean, yes, they they worked with him and let him do those things. It wasn't like he said, uh, I'm getting this surgery. Excuse me. I'm getting a surgery and I'll see you in like 10 weeks and I'll tell you what happened after that. It wasn't like that. But when you tie that in to uh, the Jack Eichel situation, okay, so if you want to trade to get Jack Eichel, let's let's just throw it out there. Let's just let's just say pie in the sky, you want to trade for Jack Eichel. What do you think that package is going to take to get Jack Eichel from the Buffalo Sabres? What do you think it's going to take? I'll tell you one thing it's going to take. In my opinion, it's going to take a goaltender because they don't have any. They've got a young kid in the American Hockey League, and I know they've started off with a a decent record and all that stuff, but they've got Craig Anderson, who's over 40 years old. They've got Aaron Dell, and in the preseason, he didn't look to be all that, and Dustin Tokarski, journeyman, okay? That's what they have. So I would think that if you have a goaltender that has a lot of promise and Jonas Corposalo does and Elvis Merzlikens does, it's going to take, I, I, I think that would have to be part of a package. Okay. So let's just say that that is part of a package and you have Corposalo who you're going to say, well, you know, he made the all-star game two years ago and they're going to say, well, why isn't he playing now? Because you got to see a guy play right now. And maybe it's not him. Maybe it's Elvis. Maybe his contract is really tradable. And maybe you decide that, uh, you know, Corpusalo's playing well. Uh, we're going to keep him around. We're going to give him the money. And we're going to send Elvis over there in a deal to try to get Jack Eichel. Do you get what I mean here? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Is there are there are two different facets there. Number one, you're not going to let one goalie sit there and not play. Not with the caliber of the guys that you have. This is not the Bobrovsky-McElhaney world anymore. Okay. These are two could-be, would-be starters. And so you're not just going to let one guy sit there and rot 
And then when you need him and he's not able to play, then what are you going to say? Who are you going to blame? You have to point the finger and blame yourself. And if you really want to trade one of them, they've got to be playing to create more value for themselves. People have to see them playing, even if they lose. Corpusalo lost in Detroit, but it was the kind of game that he played and what he did in that game take away the score. They've got to play. So... Just get that get that in your minds. Just get it in your minds. You can argue with me all you want to about this. You know, but it's early in the season. It is not time, three games, four games in, to ride one guy. Now, you got a game tonight, and then you have days off. Then you're going to go into New York, and you're going to play against the Rangers. Then you're going to come back on Sunday and play an earlier game against the Devils. You're going to need, more than likely, you're going to need two goaltenders there. Then you're going to go out to Denver and play against Colorado. You have some days there, so you know you can use one guy. But then you're going to fly back and you're going to play them again after long travel, which you might want to use the other guy. You see, there's, there's a method to the madness. There's a method to the madness. So please, calm down on that. When we get 10, 15, 20 games in, you want to have those conversations? We will, but at three, four, and five, come on. Come on. That's why I wanted to stop talking about it, because I knew that's where it was going. I knew it. And listen, Bakes, I said before, and I'll say it again. This team's not going to be as bad as the media people on the outside think that it's going to be. It may or may not be as good as all of us hope that it's going to be. I think they're going to win some big games. I think they're going to have games like they had against the New York Islanders where you go into it and you say, boy, they could be in trouble tonight. And they go out and they play really well, and they um, they surprise you, and they get the points. And then I think they're going to have games like the Carolina game, and uh, they're not going to look so hot. And I think there are going to be good stretches. I think there are going to be bad stretches. That is just what this is going to be. Through this transition, that's exactly what you have to be ready for. You don't have to like it. And you can hope that I'm wrong. But you have to be ready for it because that's more than likely the way this is all going to go down. Those are just facts. I'm not lying to you. I'm being honest with you. And 2-0 and in overtime, that's great. And why are you surprised that Patrick Laine has the two goals? In the past couple of years, how many times have I answered a question on this show, what's wrong with the Blue Jackets in overtime? What happened to the Blue Jackets in overtime? They used to be so good in overtime. What happened to the Blue Jackets in overtime? I'll tell you what happened. Our Timmy Panarin left. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois left. And now Seth Jones has left. How many times did you see those three guys on the ice when the game ended in overtime? I'll answer that. A lot. Panarin setting somebody up or scoring himself. He's that kind of guy. He's a three-on-three. Give me a lot of space and I'm going to kill you. That kind of guy. Patrick Laine is that kind of guy. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they're 2-0 and in overtime with the weapons that they can now choose from to put on the ice. They haven't had a guy like that up front. And yeah, Laine was here last year, but Whatever, that whole team was just, that cycle had ended and nobody admitted it until right near the end of the year when they started trading. 
So I'm not, last year's a wash. The whole COVID thing, and it, and it sucks because it was the 20th anniversary season. I was thinking about that. Bakes mentioned about Patrick Laine being on the uh, magnetic schedule. And yeah, you put your superstars on those things and you make a big deal out of your superstars. Absolutely. But I saw it. I saw the one from this year hanging next to the one from last year, and it had that 20th anniversary logo. And, it, and again, it reminded me how much it really stunk that the 20th anniversary season was the COVID season. But the 25th will be here before you know it. And this team will be a lot better when the 25th is here anyway. So, Bakes, again, get it under two. Get it together. Tighten it up. Shorten your shifts. Word economy. And we'll be good. All right? Anytime you guys want to send me a voice question, record it on your phone as a voice memo or as a video even, and email it to me, Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C, at bluejackets.com. It's very simple. And the other way to get me questions is to go on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports is where you find me there. And I'm going back to Twitter here for the rest of the show, and here we go. Let's go to Maddie. Maddie said, who stood out to you during the Carolina game? I thought some of the team looked good and some did not. Also, are you at all worried about our offense aside from the power play? <laughs> Words never heard the last four years, right? Anyway, uh, it seems the puck can't seem to find the back of the net. And also, thoughts on Zach Wierenski's play. I've been seeing a lot of negative takes on his defensive ability. Maddie, Zach Wierenski will be fine. Zach is an offensive-minded defenseman. He is a risk-reward guy. What that means is if you want him to be an offensive guy, and they do, and you should as well, there are times where he may not make the defensive play. But in all fairness, I think Zach is a lot better at playing defense than some people give him credit for. I have zero concerns about Zach Wierenski and where he is or where he's going. Uh, next, who stood out during the Carolina game? Again, that Corrali, Robinson, and Hoffman line did to me. Uh, Alexander Texier did to me uh, for some of the defensive plays that he made and the penalty killing. All the negatives of this is I'm talking about more defense than offense. There was no offense. And when you say it seems the puck can't find the back of the net, wouldn't have said that after opening night. But, yeah, after that, it's become more of a problem. But I think they'll... I think they'll sort it out. I think they'll figure it out as we go along here. Uh, uh, Harley Harley Reichman. What do you think the difference is between how the team plays with Elvis in net instead of Corpusalo? I already went all through that, Harley. You got it. If you've listened all the way, you know. Um, it's more the style of the team that they have played against. You know. And if you missed it, just go back. Rewind. There's no. I don't need to rehash it. It's all there. It's all there for you. Uh, Catherine Guyton, why did Quitter call... Or Yeah, Quitter. <laughs> Can't read. Why did Twitter call the Blue Jackets quote-unquote world famous? I have no idea, Catherine. I didn't see it. I, uh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. But um, I don't know. They're pretty popular in all areas of the world. Like Finland and Russia and I don't know. Where's the... Uh, here, I'll tell you. I will tell you now that I've now I just thought about it. I will tell you. I just got to click here to, to get to it because I don't want to give you uh, the wrong information. So when it comes to you know, the CBJ Radio, where you get this podcast and any other podcast that we do, 
let's see, the top countries. United States, number one. France is number two. Canada is number three. France beats out Canada. Thank you, Alexander Texier. Finland's at number four, followed by the United Kingdom, Australia, Ireland, the Russian Federation, as it's listed here. Poland and Germany round out the top ten. So there you go. That's why. That That's my guess. That's why, because indeed, the Blue Jackets are world famous. Troy is the worst, says, in your estimation, what percentage of NHL players have been benched at some point during their career? What percentage of NHL coaches have benched a player during a game? My guess to both is most have. I would say, Troy, that is very close to 100%. I think it's happened to everybody. As a young guy or maybe even as an older guy where a coach wants to make a point. And I would say... Uh, what percentage of NHL coaches have benched a player during a game? I think that would be 100%. 100%. And the players, darn close to 100%. Finally, Ken Welty. I like this, Ken. I'm going to tell you before I read it. I just want you to know I like it. Ken says, if we ever get a game where Roslovic, Corrali, and Sillinger score, will you call it as a hometown hat trick? Yes, I will, Ken. I like that. That is good. That is good. So those are the questions that I have from you today on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Dallas Stars are going to be here tonight to take on the Blue Jackets, a game that gets underway at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. And, of course, I've got the game for you on the Blue Jackets radio network, and that includes the flagship station, 97.1 The Fan, in Columbus. The Dallas Stars come into the game with a record of 3-2, and two, same as the Blue Jackets. And, uh, you know, their goalies, Braden Holtby and Anton Hudobin. So the goalies match up pretty nicely uh, in this, in this uh, head-to-head with the Dallas Stars. Blue Jackets come in with an advantage on the power play and... Uh, Dallas has a bit of an advantage in the penalty kill, and Dallas has a big-time advantage in face-offs. That's one area the Blue Jackets still continue to struggle is in the face-offs. Believe it or not, the Blue Jackets have um, they've scored more goals. They've scored one more goal per game than the Dallas Stars early on here. And then on the flip side, Blue Jackets have given up just a little bit more than Dallas has. So uh, the Blue Jackets and the Stars playing the first of their two-game season series. Uh, the one tonight at 7 o'clock, and then the Blue Jackets will be in Dallas on December 2nd for an 8.30 game. But again, uh, pregame coverage starts at 6.30 tonight. If you're coming to the arena, gates open at 6 o'clock this evening. You can get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com or through the Blue Jackets app or at ticketmaster.com. Any way you want to get there, it'll all direct you to the same place. And you can get your tickets for tonight's game. So it should be a good one tonight. Uh, programming note for you, just so you can know, uh, or just so that you know, this is what we are trying to do. It's not confirmed yet, but I'm going to put it out there anyway because this part is confirmed. Jody Shelley and I will have an inside edge for you on Wednesday night on 97.1 The Fan at 7 o'clock. And then after the show is over, it will be available as a podcast Uh wherever you get this podcast. So I can tell you we're having a show. That's 100%. We are trying to get Cole Sillinger on that show. I'd like to talk to Cole about 
scoring his first NHL goal and being an 18-year-old and his dad played in the league and his dad played here and he was born here and now he's playing here. All, all the great storylines that make up uh, what Cole Sillinger is. So we're trying to get that nailed down. I uh, promise to let you know once we do get it nailed down, but uh, look for that on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, the Inside Edge with Jody Shelley and me on 97.1 The Fan. So I just wanted to get that out there for you so you know. Thanks for all your questions today. Again, anytime on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports through email bobbymack at bluejackets.com. Uh, give me your questions, and you are always welcome to be a part of the Monday Mailbag on CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. That's going to do it for today's show. The Blue Jackets play against the Dallas Stars tonight at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.